Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as a Pre-PT on your journey to becoming a future doctor of physical therapy. This episode has been sponsored by our Acceptance Navigator Series, which is a free four-part Pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or fear of PT school rejection. Learn how to get into the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This is the most value that we have given away and it's free. Take control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode has also been sponsored by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. Listen to this. One of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year when applying to PT school is not applying to schools that are a perfect match for them. Partnering with our friends at PT School Probe has made that a problem of the past. As PT School Probe makes it extremely easy to plug in and enter what you're looking for in your ideal schools, and you will be immediately matched up with your perfect match DPT programs in the United States. To get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school programs, go to www.ptschoolprobe.com, www.ptschoolprobe.com, and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you there. That's PREPTGRIND for your code. This will save you hundreds of dollars in your application by helping you avoid throwing away money at the wrong schools and saving tens of thousands of dollars lost every year that you miss out on becoming a DPT. So go to www.ptschoolprobe, that's ptschoolprobe, probe.com, and use the code preptgrind in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And that's because we got you covered and we are excited to share this next episode with you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast episode. We look forward to serving you. Have a blast. and welcome to the Pre-PT Grand Podcast, where we help you become the best Pre-PT applicant and student you can be. My name is Brittany, and I'm one of the podcast directors. I am very excited to be on here today because we have the department chair of the University of Michigan Flint DBT program, uh, Dr. Ryan Bean, joining us to answer a few questions regarding his program. Thank you, Dr. Bean, uh, for taking time out of your day to chat with me. And I'm going to dive into the first question. So in five minutes or less, tell us about what led you to the profession of physical therapy. Thank you, Brittany. I'm definitely uh, happy to be here. And um, with regards to kind of what led me to the profession, I think it's similar to what brings a lot of our pre-PT students to the profession, and that's prior experience with a physical therapist. I, uh, as a chair of the admissions committee, I read a lot of admission essays, and I, I consistently see that a lot of our pre-PT students have had therapy themselves, maybe if it's whether it's a sports injury or something like that. And uh, 
after their experience with a physical therapist in this profession, they decide, hey, this is a, a great job and I want to go into the field. For me, it was kind of close to that. I didn't have PT myself, but it was my grandpa or my bumpa, as I call them. When I was born, he had a stroke that left him with uh, left hemiplegia, which is basically paralysis on one side of the body. It affected his arm and his leg, and he, uh, he was able to walk around with the cane for a while, but had minimal to no use of his arm. So when I was around 10 years old, um, he started kind of regressing, and I had noticed it. He was having a difficult time walking, having a difficult time getting in and out of his chair, his favorite chair that we used to watch TV with together. And he could really walk longer than a few steps, which meant we couldn't do some of the things that we used to do, like going fishing up north at our cabin. So uh, he started to go into physical therapy, and then I all of a sudden could see the improvement he was making right away. He was able to regain his ability to walk longer. He was able, we were actually able to go back out and go fishing. And so that had a real big impact on me. And I thought, hey, I want to be the person that will help make Bumpa better. So that kind of started me on my journey to becoming a physical therapist. And once I started to learn about all the other cool things PTs do, and that I could help out a lot more people than just Bumpa, it kind of cemented my interest in this field. And I kind of never looked back. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> it's like pretty similar to like, it's my grandma and my uncle who had Parkinson's that like, yeah. that's what kind of really connects me to physical therapy. And it's yeah. like how I see them improving and like gaining their independence back or like what what they can do it's yeah very cool yep i can relate so next question students put extra work into bettering certain parts of their application to be the best all-around applicant since every school values different aspects of the application what would you say is an aspect of the application that you value the most or catches your attention when seen on an application the University of Michigan Floods Physical Therapy Program, uh, we take a holistic approach to our admissions process. So basically that means we value experiences and personal attributes as much as academics. Um, I'm not saying that academics don't mean anything, and yes, we still look at those, but what I'm really saying is that we look at student experiences and personal characteristics. Um, those can tell us a lot more about what the student really is versus just a GPA or a GRE score. We know that a student with a 3.1 GPA may have the personality or experiences to make them one of the most impactful physical therapists um, out there. Um, and they shouldn't be punished for having a lower GPA, especially when we don't really know what has happened in their life that may have caused them to struggle, struggle a little bit in their academics. In saying that, um, I really do think the aspect of the application that catches our attention the most is in our essays. We don't do face-to-face -face interviews, so our essays are a way to see who our students really are. We handwrite our questions to help us see different aspects of our applicants. So that's kind of one thing that catches our eye. Another one is um, we, whether it's within the essay or within another section of PTCAS, um, some things that catch our eye could be um, previous work in research, Maybe there was uh, somewhere in resilience. So if somebody has applied to a, our program before and they didn't make it in, what did they do between last year and now to help boost their application? We look at different experiences like maybe this is a first generation college student. Maybe this is a second career or they served in the military. There's a, actually a whole list of different experiences that we look at. If you look at our um, program's admissions page online, but what I don't want people to think is, well, if I... If I don't speak a second language and I'm not part of the military, it means I'm not getting in. No, these are just things that we're looking at that kind of pop out, things that we look at to help us 
um, with our holistic admission process. And so those are the ways, those are the things that we look and catch our attention with, with our um, applicants. That's great. Just more, well, obviously the grades and everything, but it's also their story. And exactly. Their yep. I think their story uh, can definitely tell us a lot about who they are and if they're that right type of student that we want in our program. So for a student that visits the campus during normal times, not COVID, but <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a good chance that they will only see so much of the campus or the program. What are some things that are unique about your program that a student would typically not see on a tour, but rather only a student in the program would see or experience? So this can be interprofessional opportunities, research, or any form of teaching. Yeah, um, I think that's a great question because when you know, um, obviously the tours have slowed down a little bit um, with the pandemic, but um, one of the things we love to do when our students come is get them the real experience of what it's like um, to be a student here. And so we usually um, partner them up with one of our student ambassadors. They, um, so a student that's actually in the program that can take them around. We allow students to come in and actually uh, sit in on, on labs or lectures if they choose to. So but the one thing I definitely think that you might not see on a tour is, especially here at the University of Michigan Flint, is our true interactions with our students in and outside of the classroom. Now, we really believe in what's called a Clio model here in our program. So our students are, yes, there are students, but there are now our colleagues. And we work together to help them succeed and ultimately pass that um, national physical therapy exam. Um, a lot of our students really enjoy this relaxed collegiate model because it, it says it allows them to help them learn better and they feel comfortable in class and in lab. We usually a lot of times when uh, our students are talking, that's the thing that stands out most towards the end of their profession here, the, the end of their um, time here as a student is they really felt like they they were comfortable coming to ask us questions. The atmosphere was 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 comfortable and it helped them learn. Another thing you can't see in our tour is how much effort that our faculty and staff take in to help our students succeed. So when there are things that are needed, just, I mean, even the things that have had to change over the last nine months have been pretty significant. And our students have expressed so much gratitude to us to say, hey, you know, we, we see how hard you're working. Thank you for what we've been able to do. Some things that you may not see too is the, th the other things we do, we do have a lot of interprofessional opportunities. We're in a medical building that has nursing, uh, PA, OT. So we do a lot of collaborative uh, interprofessional educational experiences because we really believe that, you know, we're all going to be working together. Um, and if we can uh, help our, have our students become more familiar with the students of these other professions and vice versa, there's that mutual respect that, that grows and it's going to ultimately help our patients. And we have other things that we do. We have what's called POWER, which is Parkinson's Wellness and Recovery. And so that's group um, that's uh, once a week, we have a group of local community members that have Parkinson's that come to perform this large movement exercise classes that's run by our, our students and some of our faculty, as well as PT Heart, which is our pro bono physical therapy clinic. Um, that is, we provide these uh, free PT services to the community members around here over at, it's called the Sylvester Broom Empowerment Village. And it's student run. There are either clinicians or faculty that are there all time supervising the students, but it's their chance to actually do PT, PT services on real patients that maybe 
don't have insurance or have exhausted their insurance benefits. And um, a lot of our, our patients and students really enjoy that, that interaction. So those are some things you probably don't necessarily see on a, on a tour. But if you're lucky to have a tour on one of those days, I've been like, hey, by the way, um, we're heading over to PT Heart in an hour. Do you want to go? Like, we're very welcoming and opening people that are coming for tours to see, you know, what we do here because we're proud of it and we want to show what we do. Oh, that's so cool. I, I saw when I was looking up everything, I saw a video on YouTube talking about PT Heart and the Pro Bono Clinic and it looked really cool. I didn't know about the power thing. That's really interesting. And I like the idea of the treating your students as colleagues and like having that community and that sense of like, they can go and ask you anything. That's really cool. Yeah. I always find that whenever I'm doing a, uh, either, you know, an online open house or a, um, or when, the, you know, the face-to-face open houses, when we have students come in, they, uh, some of the students, when they see us talking to our, our current students, we usually always have like a few of our current students there because students want to hear from other students a little bit sometimes uh, than from me because, you know, they want to hear the real stuff. What's the real story, you know? It's, uh, and uh, so we always have our students kind of in there with us and they, they'll kind of look at how we're talking to each other and they're like, you talk to you, you're talking to your professors, like they're your friends, you know, and that's, that's just kind of how we are here. I mean, there's that professional respect, there's that, but it also doesn't mean that we're on this pedestal and our students are down, you know, our students are down on the, on the ground kind of thing. We're, we're working together now. They've done enough competing to get into PT school. Now it's time to work together to help them succeed. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. I'm going to go to the next question. For a student who is accepted into your program and is there for the next three years, what kind of resources do you provide to put them in a position to help them succeed? So this can be tutoring, mentoring um, from other students or faculty mentors. Oh, yeah. Um, We definitely want to provide our students with with as much support as possible. Um, That can simply be from just the open office hours that a lot of our faculty have to being able to come and talk to us whenever they need to. We're doing a lot more, obviously, virtual meetings now. But when our students come in, they're assigned a, a buddy from a class above them that can help them ask, they can ask questions to help them kind of get an idea for what's going on around this program. They're also assigned an academic faculty advisor and a clinical education advisor. So their academic faculty advisor is the one that kind of guide them, check, out, check in on them, how are you doing after your a few weeks of class now, oh, now you're two months into it. Are you, are you okay? Are you overwhelmed? What are some things that we can do to help you out? Our clinical education advisor is the one that really helps them with all that, all the stuff they need to do for other, all their clinical education experiences that our students have throughout the program. We have, uh, we hire second and third year students to tutor some of our subjects that might require a little bit more study time, like anatomy and phys- kinesiology. So the, when the students come in, and they're, you know, they're getting hit with, wow, this is graduate school. This is a different kind of level of edu- education. We have those tutors that are available for them to help them with those courses. And they'll meet right here in our office together and sit down with the whiteboard or a monitor or a big screen monitor and go over the different types of things that they're learning just in their anatomy kinesiology class that week. We provide our, you know, lately with everything moving a little bit more digitally, we've provided our students with subscriptions to PhysioU. So there's more of a consistent thing that our students can have to watch videos and have a have some consistency. Where we use 
uh, free digital textbooks provided by our student library. So we understand that PT school costs a lot. So we want to do our best to help reduce the cost. So for my, I teach primarily all the orthopedic musculoskeletal program here, all the main exam and intervention courses. And so I changed the textbook to the, to a, to a good one that we had here at our library that was free. So the students didn't have to pay 125 bucks for a textbook. You can access it, access it online from our library. So we definitely try to do everything we can to help our students succeed and have a really positive experience with our program. Oh, you can really tell like, yeah, because those textbooks can be <laughs> take a hit to your wallet. But yeah. yeah, it seems like you guys have made, I mean, no, it's probably been hard for everybody to make that digital transition, but it seems like you're trying to make it a little bit easier for your students. Can you explain a little bit more what PhysioU is? Yeah, PhysioU is uh, basically a subscription web page that has a common performances of different examination techniques intervention techniques it's not just limited it's not just limited like in the ortho realm there's neuro there's biophysical agents so it is this you know unfortunately in this day and age you can go anywhere and find different videos of techniques some that might not necessarily be the most legit or like you know a slightly different performance or a different even sometimes incorrect performances out there so um, we wanted to have our students because we weren't as doing as much face-to-face class we wanted and they couldn't sit there and we wanted to provide them with some type of uh, video reference that they can go to. So I myself, I'm lucky to have a little bit of uh, a skills in video making and editing. I used to be a, a wedding videographer, actually. So I've put together you know, a lot of my own videos to provide my students while we're doing more of this hybrid model that's, that's occurring and a re- reduced lab time. And if there's techniques out there that I haven't made videos for, I'll say, hey, on PhysioU, here's the link to the technique that I that I like to do. And so it provides them with not just videos of techniques, but it, the PhysioU also provides them with almost like a framework of putting everything together as well. So it's a great resource for them that we feel has the, you know, validity and reliability to it. So that's just something that we want, really wanted to help provide our, our students with during this transition. Um, so they weren't looking everywhere and getting confused with, oh, you say it's like this, but these people say it's like that. And so it was just something that we really felt we needed to provide to our students to help them make this transition to a little bit more of a, a virtual hybrid type of model versus this face-to-face help it um, be smoother for them. That's really cool. Um, for a student who applies to your program, what can they expect on the timeline of the decision? If your program conducts interviews or preview days, what can a student expect during the course of the day? Yeah. So um, since we don't have the, uh, the interviews, our applications are, they usually end in PTCAS on October 15th, which actually is my birthday. So usually as my birthday present, I get a bunch of applications I get to review. And we will let our students know by mid-December. So actually we're coming up pretty close right now with it to have our final decisions made and our students um, contacted. What some students will know sooner than mid-December and so with, with it closing on October 15th, we usually get started on some of our applications. And if a student meets a certain minimum requirement, we have what's called a rolling admit. So a rolling admit basically means that if you've met a certain criteria, we're going to call and let you know as soon as the application is reviewed, not wait until mid-December to give you a, to give you a call. And I am truly saying a, a phone call. 
So we, again, we want to be a little bit more personal than just an email. So we will, we will call all our applicants we're offering positions to. And so if any students have applied to our program and it's around mid-December, if you get a, a random number, it might, you know, it might be us. So I'd say pick up, see if, see who it is. I know a lot of people don't like to pick up strange numbers um, on their, on their phones. So, but yeah, I would say by mid-December, you know, in this case, I'm hoping to get it uh, our calls in by the end of next week. So probably by, you know, the 17th or the 18th, just to let our students know, hey, we want to offer you a position. You'll, you will get an email with all the information to accept it. And so that, yeah, I would say by mid-December, everybody should know. And they'll know if they're getting a position. They'll know if they're going to be put on the wait list. They'll know if their application has been denied or not. For many students, they're going right from their undergraduate degree to their graduate degree. While others may have been non-traditional students, no matter what the case is, everyone may experience first day jitters. What can students expect on their first day or week of classes in your program? I love the first day of classes for the students, you know, seeing everybody coming in a little, a little shy, um, kind of not knowing what to expect. So um, what our first day of our students is starts off with a little bit of orientation before jumping right into classes. And we understand that orientation when you're, you're getting um, things like the ins and outs of PT school, that if you're sitting there in a, a room um, learning all about the program, it can be kind of monotonous. So we like to break up our orientation and include what's called a, a base camp. And it literally is a, a base camp. It's a team building experience that we send our, our students to. We did it virtually this year with them, but it's, it's all about trust and team building, getting our students to meet each other. I mean, these students are going to be with each other for three years and we want them to be comfortable and kind of break the ice. And so it's a lot of team building experiences, even physical challenges like a ropes course and a rock wall. Um, so it's a really fun way to get students in to our program, meet each other, but kind of break up the, the normal orientation tasks and lectures that occur. In our orientations, they get to meet all the faculty and staff in our department. Well, we get to, our academic advisors take our students out to lunch and take them around town so they can see the campus, see some of the local restaurants, and just get to talk with our, our advisees and kind of see, you know, get them ready to go provide them with their schedule. And we also have different education sessions built within the orientation to help them uh, learn how to be successful in our program, including like presentations on how to learn, what are some of the best study practices that our students have found, and how can you now apply your knowledge right from day one to help you hit the ground running and get started with your first semester of PT school. I really like that orientation. Your orientation focuses on like that building community because you are going to be with your cohort for three years, probably yeah. the hardest three years of your academic career. And so I, I, that's really cool. Cause usually when I ask that question, the answer is we hit the ground running. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but I like that. So yeah, I mean, a lot of these students, I mean, I've seen it over the, my years here is, you know, they're making lifelong friends. They're making, they're, they're meeting and they're getting, some of them are getting married. You know, so I mean, it's like, it's a good way to, you know, just, you see these relationships grow and build throughout PT school. And so it's really nice to get them kind of started this way. And we're always excited uh, when we hear from students in the future, you know, students that have graduated and they come back and they always like, yep, I enjoyed that, that boot, that uh, base camp uh, was really, 
a really fun way to start start it out. Oh, that's really cool. So we know that there are a lot of pre-PTs that have a rough start to their journeys and might have lower grades and find themselves in a situation where they decide to lock in later on their journey. At Pre-PT Grind, our mission is to help push and guide students to take the correct course of action to ultimately get into PT school. For a student with a low GPA who wants to get into PT school, what do you recommend? Well, this definitely hits home with our holistic admission process. We understand that there are so many different circumstances that can occur that result in a lower GPA. These reasons could range from they just honestly couldn't handle the freedom that they had in that first year of college and their independence, and so they ended up potentially missing a few classes, especially the early 8 a.m. classes. Or it might have been something that maybe they didn't study right. Maybe it was more serious, like they had to take care of a loved one who was ill or help raise brothers or sisters because a parent had passed. You never really know what's happened to people or what they're going through, and we understand that and want to give everyone a chance to, kind of, to get into PT school. So to answer this question, I think I'm going to, I'll break it up into like the academic side and then an experience or a tribute side. So first with the academics, um, if you find yourself with that lower GPA, there are definitely a few things you can do to help boost your application. The GPA, really by the time you're applying to PT school, it's hard to change your cumulative GPA. If you want to make a big impact in this area, think about retaking science courses like bio, chem, or physics, those type of courses, because most schools look at a science GPA separately. So you have a better chance of improving that GPA than the cumulative GPA. And in, I want to also, when you, if you are going the route of retaking classes, make sure it's going to count. And what I mean by that is if you improve a grade from a C to an A, that is a bigger change than changing a grade from a B plus to an A. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to spend the money to retake classes, make sure it's going to have a little bit more, a better, bigger impact on the, the academics for you. And the next academic thing I think you can do is retake your GREs, try to get a higher score. At UM Flint, we take the highest score no matter what. So even if you retake it and get lower in one area than you did the first time, but you get higher in the second area, we're only going to take the two highest scores. So those are kind of, I would say, the things you could do to try to help academically but one of the things, obviously, with this holistic admission process that we look at to strengthen an application, especially if there's a lower GPA, is to look at your experiences and, and personal characteristics and attributes. So make sure your application highlights your personal experiences. Um, and if you don't have any, try to, try to get some. This really could be um, in, within PTCAS where you apply to PT school. There's different sections like honors and awards or volunteer experience or research experience. Um, those are things that can help you stand out apart. So even if you're going to get prior research experience, it doesn't even have to be in physical therapy. It's just the fact that you've been involved in some research experience. Those are, that's something that can kind of help set you apart from other people. Um, I think it's a really good, important job to do good on your essays, especially for our uh, application. These essays can make up tremendously for a lower GPA. I always like to tell our future applicants this advice on, on essays. I'll tell them that uh, what you need to do is write out the answer, but don't have the question on it. Then share your essay with someone else, a friend or a family member. If they can read the essay and tell you what the question is, then you know that's a good answer to that, to that essay question. So and that's okay. And then submit that and take time to make sure there's no uh, grammatical errors in, in your essays as, as well. I think one way that you can also improve under normal, under normal circumstances would say to get out and get more observation hours. But I know it's harder with the pandemic. 
more observation hours gives you more experiences. It gives you closer relationships to those PTs that you're working under who will give you higher letters of recommendation. So I think it kind of all builds upon itself. The more involvement you have with, the, with those PTs, the, the more experiences you're gonna be able to pull out in those essays. And so I think that's uh, kind of the, some of the best ways for, that I can think of that'll help a student with like a lower GPA um, kind of boost that application. Sounds good. Our final, my final question for you is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to any applicant during their pre-PT journey? All right, so let me, I'm gonna take this into a pre-PT journey and then maybe once you've already applied. So when, as far as a pre-PT journey, I truthfully wanna say is make sure that you know that PT is right for you. There are students that start PT school and then decide, nah, it's not, it's not for me. And again, if that happens, I hope it happens early on before you accumulate student debt from a PT program. There are students that they only maybe observed in an outpatient orthopedic setting. So all they think is they're going to just work with uh, sports athletes. And then they realize, no, PT is way more than just that. And they're like, I don't know. It's not really for me. So I recommend observing other professions too. Observe OT, observe PAs, observe speech language pathologists. Make sure that PT is what you want to do. That way, it's not a job. It's it's a career and it's fun. And you you know this is exactly what I want to be. So, I think um, in addition to what I kind of said with your prior question about getting those experiences and building those relationships, is also make sure that PT is right for you. And you know, because it does happen. I have seen I have seen students realize, eh, no, this happened even when I was going to PT, to PT school. One of our students decided it wasn't for him, but it was actually um, at the end of his second year um, in, of PT school. So he just decided, you know, nah, I don't, I don't feel like doing this. And so, you know, I, by all means, go do what you want to do. But, you know, we want, we don't want our students to accumulate a lot of student loan debt. And when it's, if this isn't the right profession for them. And the other piece of advice that I want to give to my pre-PT students, once you've applied to a program and say, if you get on the wait list, don't think that a wait list means you're not getting in. So, you know, we have gone to the wait list every, every year that I've been here. And, you know, sometimes it's high. Sometimes we go um, farther down the wait list. The thing that upsets me the most because it upsets a student is when you finally get a call so yes, you're supposed to know in mid-December, you find out if you're on the wait list. Classes don't start until the following um, August. So the August of the next year. I get, we have some of you that something happens, a, fam- a life event happens and they say, I can't start. And the program's going to start, you know, in, in three weeks. And then we're like, okay, we're going to, we'll call the next person on the wait list. And I said, hey, you know, we had an opening occur. We'd like to offer you, you know, you're the next on the wait list, come and join our program. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't finish the, prerequisite courses that I had to do, I thought I wasn't getting in. So when students apply, you might have a few more classes that you have to take over the next few semesters to meet all the requirements. So if you get put on the wait list, please continue to do that. Don't stop and say, I'm not going to get in, especially even if it's like, you know, potentially a month before the program's going to start, there's a chance that you're going to get a call. So I don't want you to have that experience that, that some students have when you're like, oh, I would love to, but I didn't take my psychology class that I was supposed to. And then, of course, by then it's too late for them to take it and they have to just wait until next year and reapply. Well, sounds like all um, good advice 
for students who are applying and might worry about what could happen if they get on the wait list or don't hear what they want to hear right away. Yeah. But to like, I think if you're on your pre-PT journey, just kind of think about, you know, this, this is a, this is a great profession. This is uh, a way for you to make people's lives better. Have, have that drive, you know, never get that. And I would also say is don't, don't think that once you're in PT school and you're, and you finally get done, then you're done with your education because PT is life, lifelong, constantly change, constantly evolving, constantly changing. So just be, be ready to make it. This is a life change. This isn't just a, a job. You're going to, this is con- always continue to be up and be willing to have your own bias checks, be willing to say, Oh, I thought this was this fun way, but you know what? Late, lately it, it's changed and it looks like it's, it's this other way. And that's okay. That's okay. You grow from it, you learn from it and you move and you uh, become better because of it. That's really cool. I love that. Well, I wanted to thank you again for coming on the podcast and chatting with me and giving everybody a little bit of insight into the University of Michigan Flint's program. Do you have any questions? No, thank you for having me. I, uh, I really enjoy what I do and I love talking to students. So, I mean, we're always very open. So if you or anybody needs to shoot emails or, or uh, call up, have questions, I mean, that's what we're here for. So I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to kind of highlight some of the things we do here and help promote this great profession. What is up, guys? You've been listening to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast, where we don't just help you get into PT school, but our mission is to make you the best physical therapist you can possibly be. Now, I have a quick question for you. Did you enjoy this episode? And if you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow, and that will spread our message of helping pre-PTs get into physical therapy school without wasting time and money, is if you rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind What this basically does is tell the platforms out there that we're on is that you like our stuff, that we're doing something right, and that we're bringing value to you all in our audience. So if you can take about three seconds out of your day to rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast and tell your friends about Pre-PT Grind, we would be forever, forever grateful to all of you. So thank you again for listening to another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. We will see you on the next one.